Welcome to the First Church Orlando podcast. Here you will find recordings of weekly sermons, devotions, interviews, and seminar recordings from the First United Methodist Church of Orlando. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the podcast. Our scripture this morning comes from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, chapter 61, verses 1 through 4. The Lord God's Spirit is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim release for captives and liberation for prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and a day of vindication for our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for Zion's mourners, to give them a crown in place of ashes, oil of joy in place of mourning, a mantle of praise in place of discouragement. They will be called oaks of righteousness planted by the Lord to glorify himself. They will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will restore formerly deserted places. They will renew ruined cities, places deserted in generations past. This is the word of God for the people of God. So as you've already heard in the service, last Wednesday was Ash Wednesday. It kicked off the 40-day season of Lent. As you've already heard, our series, our theme for the season is restoration. Restoration. So think of, metaphorically, restoration as in when people buy up old historic homes and rebuild, restore, returning them to their original design, their original beauty, and at the same time adding modern amenities like indoor plumbing and AC and so forth. Or think of people who take old cars or motorcycles or airplanes and mechanics who restore them to original working order and their original design and beauty, but maybe adding uh, automatic steering and brakes, modern types of things that make it a, a usable modern car. Or think about furniture, antique pieces of furniture that you wouldn't feel comfortable sitting on necessarily until a craftsman puts it back together so that it has the beauty and usefulness for future generations that it has in the past. When you think of restoration, think of the, the modern popularity of TV shows like Fixer Upper. Any fans? A few? This old house, fast and loud, hometown, rehab addict, networks like HGTV, the History Channel, Magnolia Network, all seem to be about taking the old and making it something new. The truth is we live today in a modern, throwaway, disposable society. When we get tired of things, we toss them away. When things don't work anymore, and they're not expected to last very long like things used to be, we just pitch it, right? When the house just gets a little old and worn, we call in the bulldozer and build something new. When the car isn't quite working for us the way it used to, we trade it in, and it probably ends up sometime in the junkyard. Or if stuff in the house isn't working anymore, we take it to the curb. Now, Speaking of curbs, as you look around, everything you see here for the most part has been gathered over the last few months 
from curbs in the Delaney Park, Eola Heights, uh, Mills 50, Conway area. So if anything at all looks familiar, <laughs> thank you. And no, you can't have it back. It's, it's mine. And as Emily said, we're going to be using it in the coming weeks as sort of a symbolic metaphor for the series Restoration. How God takes the old, the broken, the used up, the worn out, the tossed out, and redeems it and rebuilds it into something new. These are going to be kind of living metaphors. Now, I'm, I'm kind of a wannabe artist. And so for me, I'm kind of just seeing this as raw materials to symbolize the, the stuff in our own lives, the more personal things that feel broken and worn out. But as a theologian, I think this is what the cross is all about. And Lent is a season of the cross. This is a time we think about the meaning of what Jesus did for us when he went to the cross. And, and I think, some, theologically, what Jesus did was take all of our collective brokenness. And somehow, in a way that I can't begin to theologically explain, he carried it to the cross to redeem it. To make all of creation new. In fact, Paul says that, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, that person is part of the new creation. The old things, the old junk, the old trash has gone away. And look, new things have arrived. Here's the image I want you to have over this season of Lent. I want you to think of Jesus as an artisan, as a fix-it man, as a master craftsman, a carpenter, taking raw material to build something extraordinary. And he doesn't just make the bad stuff go away. He doesn't just slap a paint on, of it, on it so we don't see it anymore. In some way, he honors even the brokenness and woundedness. Remember, the resurrected Jesus still had the marks of the, the nails that have been driven through his hands and his feet. He still carried his woundedness even in his glorified, resurrected body. I think that in some way God does that with us. He doesn't just erase the past, he reclaims it. And he uses it. If we let him, I don't think God ever wastes a disappointment, a hurt, a pain, a failure, even our sin. That if we'll work with God, if we'll allow God into our life, God will take all of it and redeem it and restore it and make it new. The cross is Jesus' workshop for taking broken stuff and fixing it. And yes, we all have brokenness. Can we just be honest about that? That all of us in some way have experienced brokenness in this life. We all experience guilt and certain degrees of shame. We've all made mistakes, haven't we? Haven't we? All of us. We've all experienced tragedy and loss. We've all been, at some point, victimized in some way. We all carry painful memories. Yes, we've had success, and we can be proud of those, but we also probably have had a few failures and may feel some embarrassment about that. Some of us have been rejected. We've all experienced pain and sickness, all kinds of brokenness, some emotional, some in our hearts, some intellectual, some relational, et cetera, et cetera. Kate Bowler is a, a young professor at Duke Divinity School who has battled a very aggressive form of cancer. And she writes personally, I must accept the world as it is 
or break against the truth of it. My life is made of paper walls, and so is everyone else's. She's speaking to our collective fragility. Now, what most of us do with the junk, right, we try to hide it in the garage, <laughs> or we, we try to sneak it up into the attic, right, if we just can't let go of it, or we take it out to the trash can, and hopefully it'll just be carried away, and the pastor won't stop and look at it, right? I mean, speaking metaphorically, right? Like, we don't want people, because a lot of times the brokenness in our life is a source of embarrassment and shame. And we assume that if we feel shame about it, what must God feel, right? We assume this. We, we project that onto God. Instead, what I want us to do, metaphorically, over the next few weeks, is to think of our junk differently. Is it painful? Is it embarrassing? Would we go back and change it if we could? Yeah, of course. But potentially, what could God do with this? What could God do with that to do something new and fresh in our life? Nadia Bowles-Weber says, that's how God works sometimes. Not through the things we're prepared for, but through the things we don't expect. Richard Rohr adds, there is nothing God cannot and will not use to bring us to divine union. That includes every mistake, every failure, every shortcoming, every wound, every weakness, all the junk, all the junk in our lives, God can use it in some way. Now, I just read a moment ago from the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah was speaking during a, a particularly difficult time for the people of God. Now, if you've been watching the news at all in the recent week to watch the, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, it's given you sort of a, a modern-day account of what was happening in the, the latter half of the Old Testament. The people of God were being bombarded, um, invaded by a foreign power that was far larger, far stronger. Army was far greater, the Babylonians. They attacked, they invaded, they laid siege, and eventually destroyed cities. In fact, the city of Jerusalem, God's city, was torn down. The walls were torn down. The palace, the houses, even the temple of God, utterly destroyed. And the people of God, the nation, felt destroyed. That's what the Ukrainians are struggling with right now, right? The sense of a, a foreign, oppressive power that is tearing apart their nation. You have to imagine if you've been through that, you start asking questions. Most of the people either had died or escaped as refugees or been taken away as slaves. And they had to wonder, Will we ever get to go home? Will we ever have the lives that we used to live? Will this suffering ever end? And if this experience is somehow the punishment of God, will the wrath of God ever relent? You ever wondered that? When you're hurting, is God punishing me? Will God ever stop punishing me? I don't believe God punishes, but we ask those kind of questions, don't we, from time to time? But the prophet spoke for God into that painful situation. The prophet Isaiah said, the, spirit, the, God, the Lord God's spirit is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He sent me to bring, listen to the words, good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim release for captives, liberation for prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and a day of vindication for our God. I love this part. They will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will restore formerly deserted places. They will renew renewed cities. 
places deserted in generations past. It's a message of hope. There will be restoration. There will be a new beginning. Now, as I read that, you may be thinking, that sounds familiar. I thought Jesus said that. Jesus did. Remember, he went to his hometown synagogue in Nazareth, and they invited him to read the scripture. That's the one he picked. But he added a phrase to the end. Do you remember it? He said, today, Jesus said, hundreds of years after Isaiah, Jesus said, today, this scripture has been fulfilled just as you heard it. He's claiming it. Jesus is saying, that promise that God gave through Isaiah, I'm the guy that's going to get it done. I'm the one that's going to fulfill it. I'm the one that's going to restore the nation, God's people. Now, it should be added that by the time Jesus was born, Jerusalem had been rebuilt. The walls had been rebuilt. The, the temple had been rebuilt. In fact, it was probably even more glorious than it had been previously. It was something. Jesus wasn't talking about rebuilding with wood and, and bricks and mortar. He was talking about rebuilding the people. In fact, all that had been rebuilt would be destroyed in just a couple decades by the Romans. He wasn't talking about buildings. He was talking about God's people. He was talking about restoring broken people like you and me. That's what he means when he says he came to bind up the brokenhearted. And how did he do it? He did it at the cross. And think about the cross for a minute. The cross was meant to be a place of shame. It was a place of injustice. It was a place of horror, a place of violence, a place of cruelty, a place of evil. And it became the place that Jesus took the worst of us. He redeemed it and made a new reality possible. That's the message of Christianity. If you don't hear anything else I say today or the rest of the series, if you just hear this, that's the message of Christianity, that no matter how bad we mess up our lives, no matter how badly we break what God has made, no matter what horrors are inflicted upon us by others or no matter what horrors we inflict upon others, nothing is beyond God's ability to reclaim, to rebuild and restore. Nothing is outside of God's power to do something new. That's the substance of our faith. Rachel Held Evans once said, for better or for worse, there are seasons when we hold our faith, and then there are seasons when our faith holds us. I think that's the message of Isaiah. It wouldn't be fulfilled for hundreds of years. I think that's the message of Jesus, which continues to play out in each of our lives. I think that's what they were offering when they said there's good news for the poor. It's God's one is, it desires to bind up the brokenhearted, the release of captives, the rebuilding of ancient ruins. Wherever there's brokenness, God is already at work, whether we know it or not. I wonder what brokenness you're experiencing this morning or the season of your life. Maybe your brokenness was self-inflicted. A lot of it is, right? Or maybe it was inflicted by somebody else. Maybe your brokenness was caused by your own sin or maybe the sin of someone else. Maybe your brokenness is a public embarrassment or maybe it's a secret shame. Perhaps the message that you need to hear is that God is working 
that even now when all you see is brokenness, God is collecting up the pieces and sewing them back together. We can always trust God is working to bring good out of evil, good out of bad, good out of brokenness. Let that promise hold you, even when it's hard for you to hold on to faith. A metaphor that I'm going to be using throughout this series is a, a Japanese technique called kintsugi. Do you know about kintsugi? Uh, in Japan, they place a very high value on ceramics. You know, you think about tea ceremonies, right? And sometimes these, these ancient tea bowls and other uh, Japanese ceramics, you know, they're of great value and they've been around for generations, but ceramics break. And so kintsugi is the art of using lacquer and gold to put these ancient pieces of pottery back together. Now what's interesting in this particular art form is they don't just glue it back together and try to hide the brokenness. Rather, gold is used, gold, something precious and valuable to mark the cracks and the breaks. The gold serves no purpose other than aesthetic to say, that's where it got broken. Isn't that interesting? How often do we try to hide brokenness? Kintsugi embraces it as part of the history of this object. And interestingly, Japanese pottery is quite expensive. The same piece that is whole, that might have great value, actually becomes more valuable after it's been broken and put back together by Kintsugi. Isn't that interesting? The embrace of the broken. They call it wabi-sabi in Japanese culture. Uh, there's an expert in uh, Kintsugi named Bonnie Kimsky, and she says this, Kintsugi traces the memories. It's talking about a pot. It traces the memories, bringing together the moment of destruction and the gold seams of repair through the finely honed skills and painstaking, time-consuming labor in the creation of a new pot from the old, one that may be stronger and even more beautiful than the original. Doesn't that sound a lot like Jesus? How he takes brokenness and puts it back together into something stronger and more beautiful. Three more quick quotes that are just so gospel, but this is about kintsugi. One, a kintsugi repaired object becomes a new piece with a new life. Kintsugi takes an accident and transforms it into a glorious rebirth. I mean, she should be writing scripture here, right? The mark of the repairer will forever remain in the work. If that ain't Jesus, if that's not the cross, if that's not the message of redemption, I don't know what it is. What is? There's another passage from Isaiah that's often read this time of year. It goes like this. It was certainly our sickness that he carried and our sufferings that he bore. But we thought him afflicted, struck down by God and tormented. He was pierced because of our rebellions and crushed because of our crimes. He bore the punishment that made us whole. By his wounds, we are healed. I'm going to be really honest. I don't understand this. I can explain it, and I believe it, but I can't begin to make it all fit together. 
But somehow, in some way, on the cross, as Jesus was wounded, those were my wounds. As Jesus was broken on the cross, that's my brokenness and yours. As Jesus was suffering, somehow that's my suffering. And there's redemption in it. Somehow, in some way, it's on the cross that our wounds are healed. Somehow on the cross, my brokenness is repaired. Somehow on the cross, the the multitudinous sins of the entire world were were weighing upon Jesus' shoulders. Somehow on the cross, Jesus gathered up the bits and pieces, the shards, the, the rough stuff, the wasted stuff, the stained stuff. He took it all. It all becomes part of his work of making a whole new world. God's spirit is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me, he has sent me to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim release for captives and liberation for prisoners. They will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will restore formerly deserted places. They will renew ruined cities, places deserted in generations past. When Jesus said, he said, may these words be fulfilled in your hearing. And friends, my prayer for you is that those words become real. Not just words a preacher says on Sunday morning, but over the season of Lent, whatever brokenness you're carrying, that the promise of Isaiah, the promise of Jesus, are fulfilled in you this season. Let us pray. So God... As we look at this junk, treasures, may they symbolize the broken stuff in us and our lives that's hidden away, probably, buried in a hole, hidden in a corner, out of public view, but nothing is out of your sight. There's nothing in our lives you don't know. So we place all that in your loving hands, trusting in your creative work to make us new. We trust you with our brokenness. We trust you, your gentle hands, your creative touch. We trust you with the future. In Jesus' name we pray. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future. If you enjoyed today's message, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, we invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.